0: Welcome to part three of our series entitled, I Love My Church. This is one of the best series we do because some of your stories actually become the sermon. Stories of grace and stories of redemption. And we look at these stories and I love them because when you look at somebody else's transformation story, it gives you motivation to believe that if they could do it, so can I. If God could do it for them, he could do the same for me. And here's the thing. All of these stories that we've been looking at the last couple weeks have all been small group stories. So if you're a part of the church and you're not a part of the small group yet, I just want to let you know you're not experiencing all that this church has to offer. We just launched our small groups a couple of weeks ago, and I want to encourage every single one of you to go to thefellowshipchurch.com forward slash small groups and join a group today because you're going to build some relationships that can potentially last a lifetime because we're better together. It's interesting that we, we launched this church with 22 people, and now over 3,000 people come on a weekend. It's just been phenomenal. Hundreds of people giving their life to Jesus Christ, and I love what God does in the context of a church. Matter of fact, if you think about the church, the word church or ecclesiology is the study of the church, that the church is never man's idea. When we started this church when I was 24 years old, it wasn't just my idea. It's been going for 2,000 years. And look at your notes, everybody. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. These are two very important scriptures before we launch into the message today. And that is that Jesus said, I will build my church. Notice, notice that it's possessive. It belongs to him. This is his church. It was his idea. He said, I will build my church and it's going to be so amazing that nothing in the world can stop it. Not even the gates of Hades will be able to overcome it or prevail. And then... We understand that through the church, God's going to reach the world. Here's a statement all of us need to understand, and that is this, that the local church is the hope of the world. Say that out loud with me, everybody together. Come on, nice and loud. The local church is the hope of the world. One more time, nice and loud. The local church is the hope of the world. I love that phrase because it encapsulates the vision of why we exist as a church. We exist so that those who are far from God can be brought near to God To find hope and healing in Jesus Christ. Paul would come along and write in Ephesians chapter 5. He says that Christ is the head. He's the head of the church. And then it says it's his body. Underline that word, his body. And let me say this statement. It might shock you at first, but you'll understand in a minute. That you cannot decapitate Jesus. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Because the church is his body. And then it goes on to say that he's the saviour. He's the head of the church. It's his body. He's the savior of the church. He's the savior of the world. But it starts with the church. And let me just ask you a question. If Jesus was willing to start the church, birth the church, turn around and lay down his life for the church, how many think that the church is probably pretty important in Jesus, right? Yeah, it's super important in Jesus Christ. And what's important to him better be important in you and me. I have four daughters that I love with all of my heart. I mean, I love these girls. And when they were young, I played with Barbie dolls, not because I love Barbie dolls, but because I love my daughters and they like to play with Barbie dolls. And what's important to them becomes important to me because of my love for them. What's important to Jesus ought to be important to us because we love him. And he knows how much you love him, not by just the way you sing a song or what you say on a Sunday. He knows how much you love him by how you treat people. People is, that's God's love language. That's the test on how much you love God. And I know all of us in the room are like, I want another test. I don't like that test. Maybe you're like the t-shirt that I saw. that says, I used to be a people person, but people ruined that for me. <laughs> one, one philosopher said this, the more I get to know people, the more I like my dog. Anybody know what I'm saying? Like, People aren't the easiest to be around all the time. But this is the truth, that God knows how much you love him by how you treat other people. Let me ask you this big question. Why do you even go to church? Some of you are like, well, I was dragged to church today, Sean. I had no choice. No, why do you go to church? Most people would say, man, I go for the worship. I want to worship God. I like the music portion of the service. Man, I love the music. Well, listen, that's a good, t- that's a good reason to, to, to say that you want to come at first glance. But honestly, you can listen to great worship music alone, at home, in your car, wherever you. I mean, on your iPod. You can do all that alone. Great music, by the way. Some people say, I come for the word, man. Preach it, Sean. You better preach, 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 preach it, preacher. Well, you can listen to great sermons alone at home. The only thing you can't do alone is love. The only thing you can't do by yourself is serve people. And God wanted to create an environment that we can do life together, that we could serve each other with. And I'm just telling you, everybody, this is so important, that God, he has a plan to reach people, and it's the church It's through the church that he's going to reach planet Earth. That's why he pours so much attention and pays so much attention and pours so much of his spirit into the church. It's why he birthed the church. It's why he loves the church. It's why he gave his life for the church and empowered the church for the sole purpose that we could reach people, people just like this amazing couple. What I love about this series called I Love My Church is that you get to understand that Sundays are amazing but what God does in the lives of people in our growth track, our dream team, our small groups is absolutely astounding and Sundays is just scratching the surface of what God really wants to do inside of your life and I want you to hear this next story of Jessica and and Justin they've been coming now for a while and their lives have been totally transformed by the love of Jesus but it's been inside of Fellowship Church I want you to take a look Andreas is driving my minivan. Look, ran all into the curb, jacked up my armor all. Come on, Andreas. You're better than this. (laughs) Dear Lord, I hope they don't have problems. Why is everybody in this area? Your church!
1: Yes,
0: I do. Surprise! What's up, everybody? Do you love your church? <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is Jessica and Justin, not to be confused with Jessica and Justin. <laughs> and they've been coming to the church now for how long? About
1: two years.
0: Now, tell me, I've never heard the entire story. I've heard snippets and I've been so encouraged. I thought we gotta get them on video because I think that your story is going to encourage so many people But talk to us a little bit about where you were before Fellowship Church, before what God did in your life.
2: So we didn't grow up with the church. My relationship with God was non-existent essentially.
1: Monday through Friday we just had a routine. Work or school and then come home to the kids and that was it. We didn't really have very many friends. I remember after each one of the kids I felt like a call to be closer to God and I wanted the kids to know God more, but I didn't know how to introduce God to them. We kind of gave up from there.
2: just felt lost, you know, just we had no no direction. Just going through the motions every day and I could tell it was taking impact on our health, on our finances, with our relationships outside of our marriage. It was just, she said, we had no friends. We didn't really have uh, no direction in life and you know, we, we desperately sought that. We desperately looked for something and we knew kind of we knew where to go, we were just lost in how we could find it, you know, where we would find God essentially.
1: Until one day, he, he went to enroll me to a boot camp that I wasn't trying to get enrolled to. And um, from there, many of the women um, attended Fellowship Church. I, I saw them and I was like, wow, like those are the kind of friends that I need. Those are mm-hmm. the kind of friends that my family needs. I need that in my life. So more than a physical trans- transformation, I was really getting a spiritual transformation. They prayed after working out and that was something new to me. I had always kind of made fun of Christians, but on the inside wanted to find what they had themselves and, and hungered for that really. One day somebody uh, decided to do like a, a prayer at the park, so this was all new to me. But I went. Um, it was six o'clock in the morning. We were walking around the park, praying, and um, I, I, I just lit it out. And I told, I told her, like, and her and her husband, like, everything that I had been feeling. That I wanted my kids to know God. That you know, I, I want to make kids baptized. And she said, I, I have a, a very family-friendly church for you to go to. So I, I immediately Facebooked Jules and I was like, Jules, I have no clothes, like, what can I wear? And she was like, put on a pair of jeans. I'm gonna meet you, just just come. Tell me what time I'm gonna be there. And I was like, okay, well, we're gonna go early so we don't change our minds. And I remember um, just walking in there. And for us, it, the kids are always our focus. And one of the things is, I, I didn't really trust people with the kids. So um, walking in there, uh, we. we We checked in the kids and I was okay with that. I didn't feel uncomfortable or I didn't feel like, who are these people that are gonna watch the kids for me.
2: When we first came to fellowship, I was a little reluctant at first to embrace the culture, so to speak, because it was so out of norm. And it wasn't until I realized that what Jesus provides to you is he gets rid of the old you and builds you up new. And it wasn't until I embraced that is when I really became a christian like even though i was coming to the church for a few months i didn't i didn't really fully embrace it and until i really made that commitment and i rose my hand when you asked for the prayer i really felt that i am now a child of god
0: write this down everybody that the church is a place to receive a fresh start the church is a place to receive a fresh start I love what Justin said. He said this. He said, when you come to Jesus, here's what Jesus does. He gets rid of the old you and he builds the new you up. That's really just echoing 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul is writing. Paul, who, by the way, was a Christian hater. He couldn't stand Christians. And then all of a sudden he encounters Jesus Christ and his life would never be the same again. He'd be so transformed that Jesus would then give him the power and the ability to become the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, apart from Jesus Christ. And you and I today are reading portions of what he wrote in the Bible. He writes this conditional statement. He says, If, if anyone is in Christ, that phrase in Christ means that we've come to Jesus, we've repented of our sins. We place our faith alone in Jesus Christ for salvation and eternal life. Jesus has forgiven us. He's cleansed us. We're following God. That's what it means. If anyone is in Christ, here's the good news, the new creation has come. Watch this. The old is gone and the new is here. Say that out loud with me, everybody together. The old is gone and the new is here here. Come on, get your preacher voice out and say it loud, really loud this time. The old is gone and the new is here. I'm telling you, that's the best news you've heard all day. I love sunglasses. I love glasses of all types. And some of you are kind of like me where you think, man, some sunglasses are way overpriced and I don't even buy expensive sunglasses anymore because I lose them too fast. How about you? Well, I went to Nordstrom one day and I bought some glasses. These glasses were amazing. There are certain glasses you put on and they're just, they're just, they have the cool factor. They make you feel different. You know what I'm saying? Like everything around you is different. You walk different. They, they come with swag. You don't just buy the glasses. You buy the swag attached to the glasses. And when I put these glasses on, I could, I could have sworn I heard some music, like cool music in the background. I put them on. This is what happened. I put them on and all of a sudden I heard, <laughs> And all of a sudden I, I felt cool. I wanted to walk in slow motion. It's like I wanted to walk, like I'm in a music video. You just kind of walk down the street like, mmm. You know what I'm saying? There's something about certain glasses that just make you feel cool. Well, I wore them for a while, and all of a sudden they broke. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Sean, come on. Glasses don't just break. Well, they do when your wife steps on them. <laughs> She stepped on my glasses. Listen, everybody, she broke my swag, is what she did. I was walking around swagless. I had no glasses. There was no more music. Just walking down the street with no glasses. And, and I know what some of you do. Some of you, here's what you do. When your glasses break, your initial thought is, I can fix this myself. You know who you are. This is what goes through your mind. A little bit of, a little bit of duct tape can fix anything, right? This is what happened. Well, this is what happened for us. There was a guy, we were at a marriage retreat and he comes up and he says, "Sean, I can fix your glasses." And there are other people who attested to the fact that he's able to fix anything. He said, "Give me 1 hour." I was like, "This is like lens crafters. Give me 1 hour <laughs> and I'll fix your glasses." So I give him the glasses. He comes back in an hour. And and to my shock and dismay, he gives me the glasses and all he has done is taken like an inch wrap of duct tape and wrapped it around the broken area. He's all proud of his work. It's like it's a Picasso. He comes walking up to me. He's like, they're good as new now. And I'm like, these aren't good as new. This is as good as stupid. I didn't, I mean, I couldn't wear these. The song changes. Listen, when you wear corny glasses, no longer did I hear this cool music like Boom, 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 boom. This is what I heard when I put the glasses on with the duct tape everything changed. This is a song that came on. I mean, just corny. I couldn't walk around with this. There was no more swag. I was angry. My wife broke my swag. I get home and I go to Nordstrom and I think, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask what they can do for me. I walk into Nordstrom. I approach the counter. I explain my dilemma. And I hand my broken glasses to the young lady behind the counter. She does not for one second try to attempt to fix the glasses. She goes and gets me a brand new pair. And she hands me the brand new pair and gives me a brand new pair for free. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you the song came back. Right there in Nordstrom's, I began to put the glasses on and the music came back. It was amazing. It was like, I mean, it came back. And I walked out of that store. Listen to me, duct tape free. It was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And listen, not one moment, there was not one moment where I thought to ask her, hey, can I have the old broken glasses back just for old time's sake, just for nostalgia? Nope. I was leaving out of there with the new. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there are so many people that are walking around with their lives that have been broken and their first initial instinct is to think, I can fix this. I can can do this by myself. I'm here to tell you, this is not something that you can fix. You cannot fix this. And you're like, no, 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 Sean, you don't understand. I can add a little bit of duct tape to my life and I can fix the areas. Listen to me. Your duct tape solutions cannot fix your soul. But you will be pleasantly surprised when you come to jesus broken and he doesn't try to jimmy rig you and duct tape your life up he does away with the old life and he makes your life brand spanking new come on is there anybody in the room that's grateful that we have a god who can cleanse and forgive and make all things brand new
2: since coming to the church um, we found relationships that Life-giving we could relationships. i mean we we could only dream you know of friends that would be there for us at the mom- at a moment's notice. You know, I mean, you know, like, like we mentioned, we didn't have friends. <laughs> you know, friends were just, we just kind of felt like we didn't need them, I guess. Since coming to church, you know, we've developed relationships with so many people that, you know, we're doing life with, and they're doing life with us. It's just amazing.
1: You always mention, like, um, small groups give you people to go through life events with, and it's so true because every single small group that we've gone to, we've either been able to help somebody out or they've been there for us in, in some sort of situation. I always think back to if I wasn't going to church, if I wasn't in, in in this community of people and I was going through this that we're going through or different situations that we've gone through, be like, wow, I was such a hopeless person. Like, I didn't have the hope that I have now. Like, whenever we go through bumps in the road or whatever, I always have somebody to dial and say, hey can you please pray for me? I'm praying, but can you please also pray for us? and they're there like, yeah, we're praying for you and it just gives you that hope, you're not a hopeless person and now when I speak to friends that are not non-believers and they're going through things and I, I, I want to grab them and just bring them to where we are now to tell them, you don't have to be hopeless, you have you don't understand if you just come to know God. He'll you know, open up the doors. You know, so many people that are gonna give you what you need. They are, are gonna give you that hope and are gonna give you that love that you so desperately need.
2: Yeah, and I think you know too. Often, oftentimes, I think a lot of people they feel like you know, what 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 does God do for me? You know, and and we reached that point to where we don't we don't have the expectation of what we feel like God should do for us. We've got we've got to the point to where we feel like, God, how can you use us to be there for other people the way that they were there for us? It, many times we would kind of fall into those you know those 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 pits of despair you know and thinking there's no hope there's you know we're gonna be stuck forever or, you know whatever it is you know and. Now we get. Now we're not just full of hope, but you know we're full of joy that we can pass on to everyone else, and you know, not not just
0: our children, but our friends, our family. Church becomes fun when you stop coming just for yourself, yeah. when you begin to say, "Who can I bless?" Yeah, the Bible says, "He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed." Yes. I think many times we focus on our own refreshment. Mm-hmm. We're constantly at the water cooler of life. Like mm-hmm. I got to, I know back up. I need a drink." <laughs> yeah. And God's like, that's not how it works. If you focus on others, meeting the, uh, the needs of others, God said, I guarantee you, I will refresh you. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a joy, there's a fulfillment that you found that you, ha- you haven't found anywhere else. And you have four beautiful kids, and you have each other. Mm-hmm. And now you, I love how you put this, they're not just small group friends, they're family. They are. What you found is family.
1: They're... There are people that you don't even think twice about going and helping. Yeah, I, I remember you spoke about it in um, a, a service once, you said, find friends that you um, out, are, are working towards out serving. And I, I remember like, wow, like when you said that, like I, I had the picture of all of these people that i have met through fellowship, that it's true, like we were always like trying to outdo each other. and. <laughs> Okay, you need you need to go out on a date, I'm watching your kids. It's not even a question. Like, I'm watching your kids, you're going on a date. That kind of a
0: thing. I want you to think for just a moment and answer this question. Where would you be without Jesus and Fellowship Church?
2: If we were not coming to Fellowship Church, I can't say that our marriage would have lasted.
1: Honestly, if, if we weren't going to church, I think... Uh, I think... My kids would have a very depressed mother. I think my kids would have a very unhappy life. Because I feel like if I didn't know God, I would be taking it out on them. If we weren't coming to church, we'd be hopeless and depressed, I think, are the words that come to my mind.
0: How grateful are you for the Dream Team that was serving on the day you showed up the first time?
2: <sighs> when we walked in on that first day, it was such an inviting atmosphere. And I remember when we enrolled the kids into into the kids program, and it was, it, to me, it never even crossed my mind whether or not we should do this. And I, I know that was God speaking to us, because I could tell you, there in, in any other circumstance, we would have been extremely reluctant to put our kids into you know, someone else's hands, essentially. We had, you know, for the longest time we held a lot of control, you know, over who, who saw our kids, essentially, you know, and I don't think it ever even crossed our minds that day, on the first day, yeah, put our kids in, in the kids' program, you know, and and, and, I, and I credit that to the Dream Team because the the open arms, just the welcoming atmosphere, the smiling faces, you know, it's just, I mean, again, we were just a complete peace the moment we walked in. We are,
1: we are the, the Benets and we, we love our church. Our church.
0: Write this in your notes, know everybody, that the church is a place to serve others. The Church is a place to serve others. Do you know that 95% of people that give their life to Jesus Christ do so at a church? And every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday. Thank God for the person that invited Jessica to church. Imagine where she'd be without the church. Imagine how hopeless they would feel if that person would have thought to themselves, you know what, this is a gym. I'm not going to bring God into the gym. No, they invited Jessica to church and it changed everything. Listen to me. You never know who's one invitation away. On your chairs, there's a stack of invite cards, five in every chair. What would happen if we took these five invite cards and invited people this week? I mean, this week. We said, I'm not going to come back to church without having invited five people. I'll tell you what would happen. Five times 3,000 people would be 15 thousand people that would be invited to a place of hope and a place of healing thank God for the dream team that also was serving on the day that Justin and Jessica showed up they said they were greeted so warmly their kids were taken care of in nursery and kids church they came in and they were so excited they wanted to come back and they began to come back over and over until a couple months in he gave his life to Jesus Christ Now, both of them are serving after God saved them, restored them. Now they're serving and and trying to reach other people with the same grace that they were shown. Listen to me. This is what Justin said. He said, God, this is their prayer. How could you use us to be there for others? Making a difference always starts with that question. God, what if we all prayed that prayer? God, how could you use us to be there for others? Matthew 23, in your notes, Jesus said this, the greatest among you is a servant. That's the greatest. You want to be great? Serve people, love people. And then Peter comes along, 1 Peter 4.10, and says, as each has received a gift. Okay, look at me, everybody. You have a gift. God has given you a gift. I don't know what it is, but you come through our growth track. We'll help you discover in step three what your spiritual gift is so you can make the biggest impact on planet Earth as possible. First Peter Chapter four says, as each has received a gift, use it, use it, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You are God's hands extended in this church and in the community. And he's saying, you have a gift. Now be a good steward of that. Be a good manager of what God's given you. And I'm telling you, everybody, I need you to to find out your gifts and then set you loose in your passions, so you can bless people. Maybe you're feeling that pretty strong today. God's tapping you on the shoulder saying, you need to get involved. Well, go through our growth track, get on the dream team, and I believe that God wants to use us, all of us, to make more stories. Check out this next video.
3: So for me, I felt like the, the world was not a good place. After high school, I started getting involved with the wrong people, drinking and smoking. And I didn't grow up in church. I um, I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. I felt uh, alone and empty and hopeless, searching for something I felt like I would never find. I used to work at a club, and I met my husband. We were inseparable, and we started a family. We got married. We started a business, and. When Jahan was two, I got a phone call that changed my life and he was robbed at gunpoint on our mobile store and he died at the scene. The world did not make sense to me. I didn't know where to turn. I felt numb. I would look at Jahan and how do you tell a child that your dad's not coming back? When I would take him to the park and I would see him watch other fathers with their ch- children interacting. He would just stop what he was doing, and he would focus on them with sadness, and it would break my heart. I would numb myself with going out with friends, drinking, smoking, and I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to talk to.
4: Um, I don't exactly remember what age I was when I Learned my father um, was dead. It was just always my life. I don't have a dad. Um, I never will, and I just had to accept that. We go to family things, family events. Everyone happy with their with their dads, and it, I just thought it wasn't fair. At school, like on Father's Day, when everyone would make um, cards for their dads, I would just I would go to the corner. I would cry. People would like laugh because I didn't want to tell them that I didn't have a dad. And I don't like to see my mom crying, so I wouldn't talk to her about it. I would act like everything was fine. I felt like I had nowhere to go. I didn't really have any friends. It's like, did, what, did, I, did God forget about me? It was just not a, a life that seemed worth living. I, f- I thought that uh, this, the feeling of sadness was just gonna be my forever.
3: So I heard about fellowship through a childhood friend of yours. Pastor Sean, and I, when I first came, I remember singing along, and I raised my hand, and I was in tears of joy. And I told Jahan that you're coming to church Sunday. We gave our life to Jesus and got baptized together.
4: It was really, it was really crazy. It was something else because I was ready. I didn't want to feel that that pain anymore. I went into the water and it was like I was new. I didn't really know God that well, but I knew that this is the right path. I started to come out of my shell. I remember the first day going to, to youth group. Um, people started coming up to me. I'd never felt that much of, like love before. After that, I just started getting more comfortable. I started reaching out to other kids the way they accepted me, and it made me feel like this is what God wants me to do, He wants me to bring more people. I joined the summer internship, it really changed my life. It really helped me um, find myself and it helped me build my love for God.
3: Me and Jahan got to go to the Dominican Republic, the missions trip, and it was life-changing as well. And I don't know how it happened, but God seen a way for us to get there.
4: <laughs> when I first started coming to church, I would, like, dread it, but now I can't, like, I look forward to it, I can't wait to get here. I'm on the photography team, and that's a lot of fun. I get to talk to people, I serve at um, Amt United, I get up on stage, which is kind of scary, but I'm going to get used to it, I'm going to get the hang of it, because one day, I'm going to give a word, one day. I was just so quiet, and I didn't want to talk to anybody, but now I look for those kids, and I get to tell them that they're going to love it here. I used to be really angry. When I'm in church, all I really do is smile. I just feel so happy. I get to laugh with my friends. God's really given me a, a heart for people.
3: I keep stacks of cards on me, and I'm always bringing someone new. It's home for us. We serve all over the place. I feel fulfilled.
4: Without this church, I would have always been hiding from people, and I wouldn't have been able to find purpose.
3: I would be lost and happy, angry, and just confused. I have new friends. I have amazing people to be around, and I want to run with them. This is my tribe. This is our tribe. My name is Sherry.
0: And my name is Jahan. And And we we love love our our church. church. Write this down, that the church is a place to find family. The church is a place to find family. Sherry said that they felt lost, they felt empty, they were hopeless. This is what she said. We were searching for something that we thought we would never find. She was numbing the pain of the hour, trying to run away from reality. And she she said none of it was working until she came here, she met Jesus, and she found family. Oh, I love Psalm 68. The Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. Okay, look at me, everybody. Look right up here. This is our prayer. If God sets the lonely in families, then our prayer is, God, help us to be the kind of family that you want to place the lonely in. That's our prayer. Jahan and his mom, Sherry, should have been another statistic. But they found this church. They found hope. They found healing in Jesus. They jumped on the dream team and they came alive. Their lives will never be the same again. Look at me, everybody. Let's go make another story together. Can you imagine how many stories have yet to be written? How many lives have yet to be restored? You and I, can, we can make a difference for eternity. You say, Sean, how can we do this? Okay, write these last two things down. Number one, attend the growth track. A growth track for us at our church is a series of four steps, four classes, and they begin on the first Sunday of every month. So starting next Sunday, our growth track will be right next door during, during our second service at 1015 15. We want to help you discover your gifts and what makes you unique and set you loose in your passions to make the biggest, biggest difference possible. Well, How do I do that? Number two, write this down. Jump on the dream team. Go through the growth track and then jump on the dream team. And the dream team is everybody who serves at the church. They're serving in their passions, not in places of drudgery where they hate. No, we, we look at how God created you and how he wired you. And when you find out what you're passionate about doing, God uses your gifts, just like 1 Peter said, to serve others and to make an eternal difference. Listen to me. You and I are going to be used to win this region for the glory of King Jesus. So when they come in, they're going to find hope. They're going to find healing. They're going to find a place that they can have a fresh start, a place where they can serve. And then they're they're going to find family. I believe that with all my heart you and I can make the biggest impact in this region ever if, if we understand our role as God's hand extended.